of 1,600. And they also want ESCOM to close what they call the apartheid wage gap. To tell us a bit more about this, joined on the line by Kangela Baloy, Energy Sector Coordinator out at the NAM, the National Union of Mine Workers. Kangela, good evening and welcome. Uh, evening. Uh, first, allow me to greet you and your listeners. Uh, good evening. Thank you so much, Ngokeli. And uh, let's maybe start off here, my brother. Uh, the apartheid wage gap. Uh, we can come back to the other ones, but I always, whenever there is any strike at ESCOM and at many of our SOCs, I might add, this demand always comes up. What is it and how does it find expression now in 2022 at ESCOM? Yeah, no, the, the apartheid wage gap is a, is a reality in, in most of the companies in South Africa. Mm. In ESCOM, uh, it is a well-known fact. Uh, no one, including the, the management of ESCOM, is, uh, is differing with us when we say there is a, a, a differential when it comes to how uh, women and black people are paid in, in, in the company. So, so but, but how, how does this happen? I mean, is it, and maybe let me ask it this way, is it a history... Or especially in the lower skilled categories of the white, the caliber where you know white workers would you know get a premium over their black counterparts even if they were doing the same work, is it a legacy of that, or is it something that continues? So as you onboard new workers into the system, uh, effectively you initiate them into this existing wage structure. Yeah, it is actually a combination of factors, including uh, historical issues. Mm. Uh, you see, when uh, the company is changing policies. You find that the scale was maybe wider and then they narrow it or they, they change it otherwise. It affects the people that are actually joining the company. You find now a person that's joining the company now is joining at a very lower salary than the people that joined the company maybe five years or ten years ago or even 20 years ago. Mm. So that gap is created over time. And then that gap, uh, because you'll remember, ESCOM was employing uh, more white people than black people during the apartheid system. Mm. But now that it's employing black people, you find that uh, they get in uh, at a lower scale, at the lower salary scales, and then that gap, uh, uh, which uh, is between uh, black and white and women and uh, and males, it 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 it. it, it, it it widens. And what justification time. do they give for this? I mean, I would have thought that by 1994, uh, there would have been black people in HR. I mean, uh, you know, I think even in the late 80s or early 90s, already by then, ESCOM had a black generation plant manager. Uh, I just forget the fellow's name. Uh, but he yeah. already, I guess, was, was, was there. I mean, I'm just sitting here shuddering to think that, you know, HR now at ESCOM probably is majority black and yet this continues. Yes, uh, you know they they, I, they actually allowed this, this to happen, mm. but we challenged it and then they started to fix it. Okay. And there was a plan to say that no, we will fix it over time. Uh, every year we'll make a, a payments to those that are earning less. But they decided to stop uh, in 2017. The support have uh, implemented it again. They implemented it on in 2016. 2017, 2018, they stopped and giving the reasoning that they don't have money. So, so they stopped the benchmarking exercise to rationalize and equalize pay uh, horizontally, and then they stopped it because they had they had no money to yeah, continue. Yeah, they stopped it with the reason that they don't have money. Of course, yeah. And then we are saying, but uh, this is is yeah, is is a question of social justice. You know, uh, we we need to be ashamed. 
you know, in 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 the country when we have uh, things like this thing taking place, you know, mm. it's things that need to be fixed because issue, those are issues of social justice. Yeah. What, what did they say the last time? I mean, I know when Paramani Hatebo was still there, this was also part of your demands. So clearly, what uh, they actually the the offer they are giving us now uh, is an offer that seeks to actually address that issue because they will be giving uh, more uh, salary increase to those that are earning less than oh, those I that see. are earning more. I see. Okay. It's All going right. to be uh, not a. a, a a fifteen percent or ten percent across mm-hmm. the board. It's not going to be an across the board increase, but increase based on where you are sitting in the salary scale. Why are you only negotiating for one year? It's difficult now nowadays to discuss for a multi-year agreement because of the uh, the, the economy is is unstable. You don't know. You no know, nobody knows what's going to happen next year. You, you remember uh, we had a, a three-year agreement. It was a very good agreement of 7%, 7%, 7%. And then the company was complaining that, no, we, we shouldn't have uh, agreed on, on the multi-year agreement. Look at what happened in the, in the, uh, with the government workers. They had a multi-year agreement, but the government had to actually not implement that agreement. But they're saying, no, no, we don't afford this, this agreement. So we're we are afraid of such things. That's why we said, no, one-year agreement, and then we'll negotiate again next year. Now, now here's the other question that I have, I guess, insofar as that is concerned. I mean, you, you also add to that housing allowance and I guess some of the other things that you've said you're looking for here. Yeah. Uh, what implication, if any, I mean, you would know this more than all of us, what implication on the operations of ESCOM might come from a work stoppage if you don't find one another with the employer? Or... Are these things a well-functioning, well-oiled system that can run itself without your members? No, we are not planning to uh, to down tools. Uh, however, we can't really say for sure that workers are not going to get angry and, and down tools. Because sure. remember, at home workers are classified as essential workers. So we are guided by Section 74 of the LRA. We can't just on strike. We can't be given a certificate to go on strike at the CCMA. Mm. The process that we need to follow is what is called interest arbitration. Remember last year we were uh, given 1.5%, offered 1.5% that ESCOM actually unilaterally implemented. We took that uh, and processed it via Section 74, where now we are busy with that arbitration. And we are very positive that that arbitration is actually, to, is, is actually going to produce Favorable uh, uh, results for us. So, so, so you're quite confident, I guess, that the arbitration process will deliver something for you. Talk to me now about the offer that the employer has on the table. Now, the offer that we are rejecting uh, that is on the table is a, is a, like I said, it's a, it's a target approach. Like it's two point seven percent and up to four point seven percent. Okay, all right. Now, now the the other issue I, I maybe want to just hear your thoughts on is that, you know, yes, there might be this industrial dispute, but I think as, as the norm, you guys have many other positions on issues that are arising from policy decisions and how those will affect ESCOM as a workplace for some of your members. One of those is one we were talking about with our analyst uh, who helps us with our business news earlier on. This idea that 
you know, already the signals are out there for an unbundling, which might be, according to some, a partial privatization or effectively, you know, stripping these different operating entities, making them distinct so that you can then restructure each, you know, uh, as a single entity, which might lead to retrenchment of your members. What is your position on that? Because, fine, this is a wage agreement for just one year, but in many ways it seems the bus is moving very fast on many other bigger issues that have a bearing on the medium and the long term. We, we are actually uh, opposed to unbundling. We, we don't think unbundling is a solution to the problems that ESCOM is having now. Mm. We think uh, ESCOM has got uh, multiple problems, you know, and we believe that each problem has got its own solution. This thing of a, a blanket approach to say that when we unbundle ESCOM, you will be able to solve all its problems. To us, it's not scientific, and it's not going to work. Hmm. Because, you see, unbundling is a, it's a process of preparation to privatize. Because you, you, you unbundle the company and into different small pieces so that you can sell them small sellable pieces, actually. So we believe that this is a, it's a preparation for, for privatization of ESCOM. And, and I, I mean, surely you, you would have been part of these discussions. Um, I mean, I, I take us back all to the ESCOM social compact signed between labor, business, community and government, 2020. Primarily aimed at, I guess, getting, you know, a handle on the energy crisis, ensuring there's cost-effective, reliable electricity, but also dealing with industrial relations issues at ESCOM. One of the things that was said in that uh, thing, if I recall, was that there would be open and transparent communications on material contracts that influence the primary energy generation costs of ESCOM and by extension, whether they can meet your demands as workers. Has that happened? I mean, because it does seem to me that on the one hand, there's a train moving in a particular type of direction and implied in that is there's a compact between social partners to move in a particular direction. And you're saying to us, you're not supportive of that restructuring. Um, Are you still part of the social compact? Uh, your, your analysis is correct uh, because uh, the reality is uh, uh, ESCOM management will be saying they, they want to consult with us, but uh, the, 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 the shareholder is busy implementing. You know, Things mm. are, are happening. You will be told that no, now transmission is they're just waiting for a few things so that uh, transmission can be separated completely from ESCOM. But there was no consultation. You know, there are people or workers that are going to be impacted by mm. this decision of, of, of moving transmission to be a standalone company. Mm. See, but we are not consulted as labor. Are you still part of the compact as labor? The one that I was signed I won't, in September I won't 23? we are still part of it. No, uh, from the NUM side, we are not part of any compact now. No, but wait, Kalu, wait, wait, Kangela. Kangela, you have representatives, yes. ne? As Kosatu. Yes. You are an affiliate of Kosatu that takes people to Nedlak, right? Some of your representatives sign on behalf of Labour, and of course, the most material but, but actor. Sign, did not mm. sign that ESCOM must be unbundled. No, they signed the ESCOM social compact. That, that's what yes. I'm asking. Yeah. So, are you still it party says, to it that says thing? There must be consultation when uh, ESCOM is is, uh, is is transformed, and then uh, if that consultation is not taking place. That, that's where I'm coming from. Oh, so you're saying if, if the consultation okay, sure, is not no, taking place, I can't say mm. we are part of any compact. If, if I hear you. what is written down 
it's not being implemented. No, I hear you. I hear you. So, so has ESCOM shared anything on those contracts? Remember, the issues you're raising is that there's also certain contracts that ESCOM is locked into that contributes to their financial crisis. Have they shared? Have they played open books with you? Yeah, no. We, 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 we have actually, as a union as well, went ESCOM with a presentation to say that this is our diagnosis of ESCOM mm. problem. Sure. And this is what we think we can do to resolve this problem. And then ESCOM agreed with us that your diagnosis is correct because we all know that ESCOM's first problem is the money that ESCOM is owing the international and the national uh, uh, institutions, financial institutions mm. of 400 billion. Yes. And the other problem is the failure of ESCOM to collect revenue from yes. uh, uh, from customers. Mm. And the price of, of primary energy, coal, is, coal is very expensive, you know, uh, and the main problem is the introduction of the independent power producers, mm. which are really milking the, the company every month. ESCOM is paying a lot of money to, to, to these independent power producers, while actually they're not assisting us when we have load shedding. Sure, sure. Last question uh, on my end, and maybe before we get to that question, take a listen to this. Aya, I'm sorry to, to steal your lunch. I think these union leaders have lost credibility, my friend. We, you can fool all of the people some of the time. You can fool some of the people all of the time. You can't fool, fool all of the people all of the time. These union leaders, they just there for themselves. And now and then, when their credibility is at the low and they come with these cheap gimmicks and so on, they can't even unite. They can't even unite. And they can't even recruit the workers here. I mean, the, uh, the, the, it is only 20 to 30 percent workers that are unionized. No, my friend, we are no longer interested in them. Gilbert, Cape Town. Sure, Gilbert. Uh, yeah, Kangela, what do you make of uh, what Gilbert is saying? They're saying, you know, even, and I guess it's related to the issue I was raising on the compact. I mean, you know, it yeah. seems other parties don't take you seriously because of how low private... Um, uh, and I would add, I guess, uh, aside from maybe some parts of the public sector, trade union density is. Yeah, no, first let, let me respect his opinion. Sure, sure. Uh, because I can say for sure that there are no truths uh, in what he's saying. There, there are some truths in what he's mm. saying. However, uh, there are a lot of assumptions on what he's saying. Okay. As well, you know? Because when you say union leaders are doing things for themselves, not all union leaders are doing uh, in the union for themselves. Sure. I know of many leaders that are not in the union for themselves, but for the workers. Mm. But I can't say there are no union leaders that are there for themselves. I can't, sure. I can't make such a, a, a statement. You see, overgeneralization yeah. is always dangerous. No, for sure, for sure. Kangela, last question on my end. We heard about the climate funding coming from COP26, ne? COP26, yeah. 8.5 billion US dollars for just energy transition purposes for community and workers. Has the Presidential Climate Commission or anybody who is thinking through how that money will be spent approach yourselves as the NAM uh, with your many, many members in many of the parts that will be affected, least of all out in Pumalanga? We, we haven't been consulted on that money. Yo. We haven't been consulted that we don't know. Uh, and we actually... I, I asking a lot of questions, you know. Mm-hmm. Firstly, whether that money is, is a loan or that money is just a donation mm-hmm. or that money is a, is a interest-free loan or what, what is it, you know. 
are we going to be expected to pay the money back? You know, we 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 respect the fact that uh, and accept that there is issues of climate change in the world. Sure, but you are saying whatever we do to deal with climate change must be just. You know, that's why we talk mm. about a just uh, a transition. Kangelo, you know, if it's yeah, not yeah. just, it's a problem. Thank you very much for taking time out it's to speak on, to us. Kangela Baloy, there's the energy sector coordinator at the National Union of Mine Workers, and uh, you can hear what he's saying. Uh, that uh, there's a broken telephone here somewhere. Uh, you know, money goes and gets raised there on behalf, ostensibly, of communities and workers. The same workers will be affected out in, you know, places like Emalasheni are not consulted. There's an unbundling at ESCOM which is moving full steam ahead. And I think as uh, Selemacho on Twitter is saying, uh, Labour speaks as if they were not consulted at all. It seems privatization might be inevitable for ESCOM. He says he understands the unbundling of ESCOM to do away with red tape and barriers to enable anybody who wants to produce electricity to get access to the grid. All good and well. But uh, I'm still yet to be persuaded. What will chopping it up into different pieces at the level of operations, getting reliable energy, mean somebody make that connection for me because i got that to come